0: Good morning, everyone. In the name of God or whatever divine sacred belief brings us to this place this morning, greetings. May that Spirit fill this moment, this hour, our hearts as we pause to remember a beloved sister. I start this morning by just offering, on behalf of the family in particular, a thank you to the many people who are participating in this morning's service. There were a lot of last minute requests made. Uh, when When a last minute lady dies too quickly and a last minute minister is asked to do her eulogy, emails and text messages start buzzing. They are often begun with the phrase, I'm so sorry, can you do X, Y, and Z? And without uh, exception, the answer's poured in, yes, of course I can. Uh, Indicative of the love that everyone has for Nancy Wallace, the answer's poured in, of course I can. Uh, I, I mentioned on Facebook, some of you may have seen that Nancy Wallace served as counselors to presidents and groundskeepers, and all of us who are in that circle somewhere If there is a heaven, Nancy Wallace and Tom Powell are up there laughing and hugging and talking about us all. They are alone, of course, because John has gone to bed. (laughs) In his poem, Love After Love, Caribbean poet and playwright Derek Walcott says this, The time will come when with elation you will greet yourself arriving at your own door in your own mirror and each will smile at the other's welcome and say, sit here, eat. You will love again the stranger who was yourself. Give wine, give bread, give back your heart to itself to the stranger who has loved you all your life whom you ignored for another who knows you by heart. Take down the love letters from the bookshelf, the photographs, the desperate notes. Peel your own image from the mirror. Sit. Feast on your life. Today we gather to enjoy a great feast of memories, a family meal, thinking our loving thoughts for our dear, beloved sister, Nancy Wallace. When I helped with a worship service for the Board of Trustees at Graceland a few years ago, I asked Nancy if she would offer an invocation that John had written years previous for a faculty meeting. I found her email to me. It said only, only for you, yes. That invocation went like this. Enclosed within this room, focused on the business of this school, may we work with an awareness of ends that transcend this place and time. Mindful of our relative good fortune, may we speak in a spirit of compassion while remembering the needs of sentient beings everywhere, especially those beset today by hunger and violence. May we become lamps unto ourselves and others, working diligently to illuminate this age with the light of wisdom, equanimity, and peace. We ask this in the name of Jesus, Krishna, Muhammad, Buddha, and all the other great teachers of humankind. May that be our invocation this morning.
1: So many of
2: the posts that people have shared memories about Nancy have included her kindness, her welcoming spirit, her smile, and her infectious laugh.
1: Nancy Wallace truly taught us how to be a friend.
3: Belmont and Rockford, Michigan, and graduated from high school in 1970. She attended Grayson College, graduated in 1974. She later obtained her master's degree in social work from the University of Iowa, which prepared her for a career in counseling and teaching. In 1976, she married John Berkeley Wallace and David blessed with the son of Grant. Nancy worked for Grayson University for over 30 years as an academic advisor, career counselor, professor. After John retired, they enjoyed life on their small acreage outside of Long Island. After retiring from Graceland, Nancy continued to teach part-time, but also had time to enjoy peace, furniture, and gardening. Her dedication and service to the university was remarkable. Nancy was known for laughter and sparkles and music. She was preceded in death by her mother, Arlene and her husband, John, Survivors survivor her son, Brett Wallace, and wife, Sabrina. Of Newburgh, Oregon, her father, Frank Stein, sister Joyce John Sheck and husband Harvey, niece Amy Randall, all of Grand Rapids, Michigan, nephew Nan Randall, wife Barbara, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and other relatives. And friends.
0: John Wallace. Words against winter for Nancy. So that winter will not undo us, we coddle each other in turn. The trick is in small pleasures, waking to the touch of a palm, the precise warmth, say, of April. Fresh oranges sliced amidst the routine of eggs. Neither of us mentions that this winter seems deeper than any before or how it comes upon us in the dark, snickering about the passing of old allegiances and of the certainties of grief and age. Peonies, we say, bachelor's buttons. Surrounded by drifts, we speak together against the season, Persephone. These words rise out of us like blossoms. We are gathered here today to remember Nancy K. Wallace in death and in life. We come here in our common grief. We are here to honor her, to pay our respect to her, and to offer her into the hands of God. We are also here to comfort one another in our own grief. This is a very difficult time for many of us. Many of us felt so taken by surprise by Nancy's death that we are left with a cavernous lack of closure. What if I'd called one more time? What if I'd just driven over there instead of waiting for her to answer my text? What if, what if? But could any answer to those what ifs have made us love Nancy any more or convinced her that we loved her any more deeply than she already surely knew? No. Life is not a staccato series of notes. Life is a symphony of moments tied together in legato movement by holidays and any days. The random touch, a card, a laugh, a cup of tea, A shared parade of local kids throwing candy, odd vehicles moving slowly, lawn chairs waved masterfully in a Sousa ballet. (laughs) Each of these moments comprised the masterwork that was our firecracker girl. In the lush symphony that was Nancy's life she was sometimes a piccolo, dancing lambently like a fairy above the score. She was sometimes the rich, intimate voice of a viola or an oboe, sharing her deepest joys and woes with authenticity and risk. And when she was at her very best, when the symphony got to its most intense and austere, Nancy was a cowbell. clanging and banging along with no concern for the score except that she knew it needed her bell. (laughs) The music was her own and if you didn't like it, you had most likely wandered into the wrong recital. (laughs) Progressive Christian scholars, John Dominic Crossan and Marcus Borg have taught us how the power of the life of Jesus came largely from his ability To set on its head the domination based power of empire. How the humble carpenter stood lakeside, teaching not the way of violent Rome, the achievement of peace through victory, but rather the way of shalom, the creation of peace through justice. Well, Nancy had her own profound take on all of this theology. Her approach was peace through mischief. She was Gandhi-like in her generous blessings of mischief as she bestowed them upon the world. Truly, in the tensest or most relationally misaligned situations, Nancy's aw shucks goose on ego's bum could bring people back to themselves or at least back to the table. So that resolution or at a minimum coexistence again became a possibility. In conversation yesterday, Brent and I discovered that Nancy may already be up to new tricks, hiding from Brent the dress shirt he expected to find in the Lamoni house, and I am sure it was her disappearing the cobalt blue dress pants I intended to wear today. If anybody would hide your pants, Nancy would. Even though it's more summary than is probably appropriate, I found another non-funereal suit to wear for her today. I thought about poking back at her by going one step further. I almost thought better of it and then thought, no, why not? <laughs> it even matches the goddess of the cap sinner hat I found at her house last night. Again, John Wallace, the fear is not of death, is not the knowledge that our sweet flesh must ultimately fail, nor is it loneliness, the music winter utters in the bones of old houses. It is rather the suspicion that behind each breath and gesture exists an utter vacancy that explains us. In the second chapter of the book of Job, we hear these words. Now, when Job's three friends heard of all the terrible losses that had come upon him, they came each from his own place. They made an appointment together to come to console him and to comfort him. And when they saw him from afar, they did not recognize him. And they raised their voices and wept. And they tore their clothes and sprinkled dust upon their heads toward heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. There are no words that can express the deep hurt that we feel today. There is nothing we can do to take away the pain of Nancy's quick and unexpected departure. She left with text messages and phone calls unanswered. She left with grand plans of a move to Michigan to be with her family, just taking beautiful shape. As Jeremy Mulderig told me a couple of days ago, she had even just gotten a great new Susie Orman haircut. We can't begin to get our minds around this yet. What we can do is be together and reminisce about the very long list of things we loved about Nancy the beauty that was in her heart and her life, and the love and joy and mischief that she created in the world. Today, we offer all of Nancy to her creator, her good times and her bad, her ups and her downs, her best qualities and her shadows, smiles and tears, everything she loved and cherished. We give all of her to God, trusting that God will transform her in a place of peace peace and fulfillment. I invite you in a time of quiet meditation to gather up your memories of this one woman whose life is now complete, to hold those memories before your heart, and to say goodbye to Nancy in your way in this moment of silence. Imagine yourself whole, although alone and unsupported by either sound or surfaces. Touch nothing. Now fall, but fall alone. Fall assured through unassuring distances toward a point you will never reach. You are not what is falling, but the falling or a stillness that moves, a passing, a giving up, a coming to, we rise always by descent. In the translation of the Christian Testament called The Message, we hear these words in Romans fourteen six through 9. What's important in all this is if you keep a holy day, keep it for God's sake. If you eat meat, eat it to the glory of God and thank God for prime rib. (laughs) If you are a vegetarian, eat vegetables to the glory of God and thank God for broccoli. (laughs) None of us are permitted to insist on our own way in these matters. It's God we are answerable to all the way from life to death and everything in between, not each other. That's why Jesus lived and died and lived again so that he could be our master across the entire range of life and death and free us from the petty tyrannies of each other. Living in the sacred in the way spoken of in this scripture frees us from the petty regrets we might be carrying with us today. Leave those here, friends. Take with you only the love that would have been impossible in your life if not for the life of Nancy Wallace. How do we pray for someone who herself was a prayer? A prayer giving thanks for creativity, a prayer beseeching the earth to rise up to meet her feet as a daughter of the human one, a prayer of blessing upon every person, friends all, with whom she shared her patch of holy creation. How do we sing songs to one whose life was a song itself, an ode to joy, lifting spirits, healing wounds, causing toes to tap and fingers to snap as her audacious life marched by on a parade to somewhere comfy and bright. How do we love a life that was love itself, mother, wife, daughter, and friend, a life that was rich and full at times, filled with pain and grief, But always turning back to the joy from which it came, joy it birthed, mother love in all its forms, a God light that flickered, flashed and flamed, a light that most certainly has not gone out because it warms our sorrow now, calling even that back to the joy from which it came. The life that was Nancy moves back now into starshine and firecracker, living as it always did, as a throbbing, continuous beat within the cosmos of energy that enwraps us all. Like a child letting go of her balloon too soon, we face the sting of loss against beauty rising. A gasp of release. What, now? a splash of a purple and pink balloon across the bluest sky, as even the bluest heart must say, what a lovely sight it is, joy aloft. Nancy K. Wallace, what a sight you were, a beauty to behold that we now will always hold heart tight within us as you enjoy your new existence even as before in joy aloft. Godspeed, dear friend. Will you pray with me? Loving God, we come before you now remembering Nancy. We pray for her that you would take her life into your own and preserve her. We pray for all those who love her, especially her son and daughter-in-law, her father and sister and the rest of her family and all her many, many friends. God, like a parent, you love us and care for us and hurt right along with us. We are thankful that you feel our feelings with us and that the things we go through matter to you a great deal. Our pain is painful to you. Our joy is also your joy, our suffering, your suffering. We are thankful that the love of, that you love us and care for us. Be with Nancy's loved ones and friends now. Surround them with the warmth of your healing love. Give them courage and strength, and above all, comfort them and give them peace. Amen. So those of you that live in the moment, I know that a
4: couple times a year, and I would try to find an excuse to... Um, a bunch of people together and sing songs from the American Songbook, um, and pop songs from the 50s and 60s. And when we look at the calendar and try to figure out the date what that might work with all the sexual going on at Graceland, sometimes one of the people we would check with would be Nancy, because if possible we wanted her there. Um, she made the entire experience more fun. She knew all the songs, she knew all the words to the songs, Sometimes she'd sing along, she'd always have this huge grin on her face. And throughout the program, you could hear her laugh out there in in the audience. And it always made it just a great experience for everyone, not just us, but everyone else there. And we sang this song, she loves the Beatles like crazy, and we sang this on that only Dust program. And so we're singing it again today just for her, and it always makes me a little sad. and um.
0: As a frightened sophomore at Graceland College, I walked into Nancy's counseling office and asked her if she took notes during sessions. I hoped at that time to run for the United States Senate someday on the Republican ticket. I don't think they miss me. She said, no, I don't take notes. And for the first time in my life, I spoke the words to her that would set me on a course of fulfillment and personal growth that I continue on today, Nancy, I said, I'm gay. Nancy was a safe place, a place to bare your heart, to share your secrets, to hear hers. With extreme professionalism, it wasn't long until In a future session, she said, have you seen that guy that works in the library? He's cute. (laughs) He turned out to be cute and straight. (laughs) Literally, he was a straight. We all have such lovely... We all have such lovely memories of Nancy and a few of her family and friends are going to share with you this morning some of their thoughts. Uh, her sister Joyce will begin and then her her friends, her lifelong friends Howard and Benita Booth will offer some thoughts. They will be reading also statements sent by other friends of hers, Joe Logan and Jackie Prey, who unfortunately are not able to be here today. There are many people who wished that they could have made it back for this service. Uh, Some are planning for a Michigan service. Others are with us in spirit today. Uh, And then the last person to share will be Nancy's dear friend, Jeremy Mulderig. He will not share Leanne Seaver's statement. I'll offer that for you a little later towards the end of the service. We'll invite Nancy's sister, Joyce.
2: As you can tell by my needing help up the steps, I'm the older sister. (laughs) Actually, I'm the only sister. It was just the two of us. Um, When I would come to Lamona after Nancy moved here and my parents eventually moved here, they always ask you in this congregation to stand up and introduce yourself. And so my standard line was, Good morning, I'm Joyce Jonacek from Michigan, and Nancy Wallace is my bratty little sister. (laughs) And if I didn't say it, people would ask me why. When I was seven years old, my parents informed me that there was gonna be another kid in the house. And I was pretty used to being center of attention. We'd go to movies, we'd do all kinds of fun things, and all of a sudden, I was expected to share that. I went to my aunt's house one day, and when I came back, there was the white bassinet sitting in the living room, and I peeked inside, and here was this Native American child with black hair that stuck out all over the place. And I thought, "Uh uh-uh, that's not mine, Uh uh-uh, no way. Well, she soon lost it, and it came in very blonde and very fine. And I thought, finally, somebody got it right here. That's my sister. Um, So, Nancy, I kind of apologize for saying you were my batty little sister. And on second thought, no, I don't, because she was. (laughs) Because of our age difference... She was always embarrassing me, and I'm sure those of you that know her well can understand that. When I was about fifth grade, I had a bunch of friends come over, and my mother had some of these big old metal wash tubs, and one of them was Nancy's designated swimming pool. And I was expected to watch her when she was out there. And these friends were over and we were talking and she'd tug on me and say, I do to go swimming, I wanna go swimming. I'd say, not now, not now, just wait. Well, all of a sudden my friends started laughing and I looked over and here was Nancy, stripped naked, jumping into the washtub. And I thought, oh my gosh, can she humiliate me anymore? She was something else. We started laughing, but I was still humiliated. She was in my first wedding to my late husband, Bob, and she was about 13 at the time. And I have a real problem with crying. Anything can make me cry, a baby, you name it. My family likes to tease that I cry at supermarket openings. (laughs) And that's not too far from the truth. And my husband-to-be, this was during the Vietnam War, was to be sent overseas. And we didn't know where at the time of the wedding. And so my Uncle Bob Harvey, who officiated at the wedding, said a beautiful prayer and was asking God to be with us while we were separated. I was student teaching at Graceland at the time, and Bob had to go overseas someplace. We were together exactly six days. And Uncle Bob was praying this beautiful prayer, and I was trying so hard not to cry. And behind me, this 13-year-old kid started sniveling. And she started boo-hooing, and of course, I couldn't hold it together anymore some bridesmaid she turned out to be. Soon Nancy went off to Graceland and the darn kid never came home. (laughs) She stayed here for 30 years. But in the meantime, she met John and added him to our family although I wasn't real sure about him to begin with. (laughs) And then as a result of their union, we added Brent and now his lovely wife, Sabrina. And I'll be eternally grateful for that. When my mom um, would ask me to babysit Nancy, for one thing, when they'd go out, she always left a TV dinner. They were brand new then. And every time Nancy ate one, she threw up all over the place <laughs> Till finally I had to say, let me cook her some macaroni and cheese or something. Don't leave a TV dinner. I had to entertain her, like when mom cooked or mom mopped the floor or mom went for a walk or whatever, it was my job to entertain her. So I soon developed quite a repertoire of magic tricks. One involved folding a towel three ways. And I would put an object there and unbeknownst to her, she was so gullible, I'd flip it the other way and I'd say, look, it disappeared. And she'd go,
1: oh.
2: Or my best trick was to take some talcum powder on that towel and make it disappear in a poof of dust. And she was equally impressed with that trick. (laughs) I was a kindergarten teacher most of my life. And I guess I started pretty young, because when she was three and I was 10, I decided I was going to teach her the alphabet. So we learned the alphabet song, and she would sing it, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, on and on and on, and then she'd say, now I know my ABCs, tell me what you think of me. (laughs) It's not sink, it's think. Think, 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 stick your tongue out, think. Tell me what you think of me. She would do that every time. She never had a speech impediment that I knew of. I think she did it to irritate me. <laughs> we both ended up being educators. Like I said, I was teaching kindergarten and she was teaching the grown-ups. I think she'd had enough kindergarten trauma. <clears throat> Toward the end, my mom had Alzheimer's. That's one of the reasons my parents moved back to Michigan. And although I think at the end, my mother didn't really know our names, she was always happy. And my mother had a way, when she talked to you, of not this, but the bent finger. And she'd look at me and she'd say, you, you're the good one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Mom, I am.
2: And she'd point at Nancy and she'd say, you're the funny one you're always up to something. And we all know she was. And I'm sure Monday when Nancy got to heaven, my mother said, see, I told you, you were always up to something. (laughs) As a minister and as a woman, I know that God's love is meaningful in the smallest places and smallest things. It's in service to others, if nothing else. And I know how much Nancy loved her time here at Graceland. We spoke of it often. For her, there were no ordinary things. Everything was meaningful to Nancy. There were no unimportant jobs to Nancy either. She fussed and fiddled over the smallest things, just like I do. I think it's a family trait. But I do know one thing. She made a huge difference in this world. She leaves us with joy in our hearts for having known her. She leaves us with a great example of doing the right thing and leaves us with a heart full of love for her. She always, always made me laugh. So to return to the alphabet theme, A, Nancy, you were amazing and adorable, and B, you were absolutely beautiful, and C, you had courage. Both of us were widowed. And my dad often speaks of how strong his daughters were. Nancy more than me, but... So Nancy, what do I think of you? (laughs) I think that you were the best thing that ever happened to me. And I think I'm not going to know how to go on without you.
5: Thank you, Michael and Joyce. Hard thing to follow, don't you think? Well, Nancy... I think Howard was supposed to go before me, Howard. No. no. Okay. <laughs> Nancy has been a part of our lives since she was 18. Uh, Howard will probably talk a little bit about how he met Nancy. But memories for me about Nancy, and this has been happening ever since I heard that we've lost her, it's like a slideshow show or maybe a PowerPoint, probably, to get up to date. I remember her in so many ways. I remember when Howard came home and talked about this bright-eyed, little blonde, cute girl sitting in the front row, how she was just soaking in the knowledge. I remember when she and John came to Lamoni, we would meet quite regularly in a group of friends and talk about Graceland, talk about the world, and try to solve the crisis going on wherever it might be we worshiped together at Olin Mission with Nancy and Brent and sometimes John, which was a wonderful experience. And then as a colleague at Graceland, presenting programs together at conferences and discussing problems that uh, some of our students were facing. And then only a week ago Sunday, we sat in our living room with Jerry and with Nancy over a cup of tea and a piece of her coffee cake and just got caught up with our lives. And it's been a wonderful run with Nancy. And as I think of Nancy, I really think of three words. I think of sunshine, I think of food, and I think of fun. Uh, When Nancy entered a room, it was like the sun had been let in. I don't think I ever saw her when she didn't make an entrance with this big smile, and it was always so warm. And with food, many times when we were together, there was food. And what we liked to do, I would take a little bit of one kind, and she'd take a little bit of another, and then we'd get together and share them, because we really didn't want to miss any of the wonderful flavors that might have been there. And then Nancy was fun. I don't think, I don't care if we were in a meeting at the university, if we were at a conference, if we were just in our own living rooms. It was fun. And I thought of two examples I thought I would share with you. I thought they were fun. I hope you do too. Tom Powell and Nancy and Howard and I were presenting at a conference, a retention conference in New Orleans one day. And after the conference, we were just relieved to have that over with. And so Nancy had lived in New Orleans, and she wanted to show us the French quarters. Well, Tom and I were a little more reserved than Howard and Nancy. (laughs) So here was the scene. Tom and I were holding back. And Nancy and Howard were literally dancing down the streets of the French Quarters, taking in everything they could possibly take in, while Tom and I just looked with absolute amazement. And then the next day, Nancy so wanted us to go to Brennan's for brunch. It was a place she loved, a well known place in New Orleans. And so we did. And this is how that scenario went. (laughs) <laughs> Howard said the minute we sat down, he didn't know it was such an upscale restaurant, the minute we sat down Howard said, Nancy, Nancy, do you know what one egg costs? Do you know what one cup of coffee cost? <laughs> Nancy said, yeah, Howard, he said, we've got to get out of here. <laughs> well, by then, Nancy was laughing so loud and then Tom and I started laughing and Howard started laughing and we got out of there. (laughs) And then a second thing that came to mind that just happened a year or so ago. uh, uh, Nancy taught a class on courtship, family, and marriage. And she had invited Howard and I through the years to come and talk to her class. When we first started, we were the youngest couple there, so we were talking about newlyweds. Well, you know where we are now. And so we spoke to her class, and of course, the reward was lunch at the Commons, food. So we went to the Commons, and Howard and I got our trays, and we sat down, and Nancy finally came with her tray, and she was laughing uproariously. And we said, Nancy, what is it? And she said, well, I was walking by a table that had one of, my cl- one of my students that was just in our class, and I heard him say, oh, we had the cutest little old couple in our class. <laughs> 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 well, she loved it, and we loved it, too. Brent will always remember your mom for the sunshine that brightened a room anywhere she entered for her appreciation and love for food and for the fun she brought into the lives of so many of us so thank you for sharing her with us.
6: I've been asked or advised to be as short as possible, (laughs) maybe for Brent's sake, and I will be. I will never forget two bright and beautiful young women, and it's already been mentioned by Benita, sitting on the front row of my Intro to Religion or Christianity course, perhaps the first class of my career as a young faculty member at Graceland. Julie, now Prouche, and Nancy. I was enamored by them. I was challenged by them to do it right. And then in the swift minutes of a decade, Nancy was back at Graceland as a counselor and faculty member in the social welfare program and I had the distinct pleasure of working with her again. Wonderful, wonderful colleague. Nancy, to say the least, had a bubbling persona, always comfortable in relationships of all kinds, full of fun, and as has been mentioned, pleasurable mischief, but capable a very serious reflection and caring action as well. It may sound trite, but I think in her case it's not. She was a gem, a treasure to all who knew her, and she will not be forgotten. I've been asked now to share a statement penned by Jackie Pray, her close friend and colleague at Graceland, who also served as a faculty member for a time in the social welfare program. Jackie writes, I'm sad that I cannot be with you today to celebrate Nancy. As I think about various faces in the congregation, I know that each of you shares the depth of my loss and appreciates that you were blessed to have had Nancy touch your life in some way, more likely many ways. Nancy was my sister friend. We often quipped that we were certain there was a glitch in the distribution process as we were sisters who were delivered to different families. Of course, we both loved our respective families immensely, so we made the best of developing our sisterhood a little later in our development. Interestingly, Nancy and I were both students in the Bachelor of Social Welfare program in the early 70s. We never crossed paths at that point. We fostered our bond while teaching social welfare courses at Graceland in the late 70s. Likely, the civil rights movement of the late 60s guided both of us in choosing our career paths in social work, which brings me to a quote from Martin Luther King, Jr. But I know, somehow, that only when it is dark enough can you see the stars. I know Nancy is a new special star in the sky an angel that blessed us when she was with us, bestowing her ever-constant love, acceptance, and humor, and now from above. I saw an especially bright star in the sky on Tuesday morning when walking our new pup in the wee small hours. If there's an uh, astronomer present, Please refrain from any scientific explanation. I've decided that that bright star was Nancy, still guiding me through this current emotional darkness with the brightness she granted me throughout our 40-year relationship.
0: Vanita, would you like to read Joe's statement, or would you...
5: This is a statement from what I would call a soul sister of Nancy, from Joe Logan. She's not able to be here, and I know it's breaking her heart that she can't be. It is very difficult for me to sit down and write the history and the stories that surround my friendship with Nancy Wallace. I do, however, have a need and appreciate the opportunity to share my thoughts and feelings. I feel like I've been having a long conversation on the phone and suddenly we are cut off. I was not finished with the conversation. Now I need to find ways to overcome this disconnect, and I will. Sometimes I need only to stand wherever I am to be blessed. So I stand in sorrow and am truly blessed that I knew Nancy. Maybe death isn't darkness after all, but so much light wrapped around us. Nancy wrapped herself in the light around everyone and will continue to be that light. That light that entered a room and made everyone smile.
7: My name is Jerry Mulderick, and uh, 39 years ago, I started my academic career with an appointment as an f- assistant professor of English at Graceland College as it was then. Nancy and John were my first friends in Lamoni and we re- remained friends for decades. Um, one day in my first term at, uh, at Graceland, a student came into the Division of L- Language and Literature Office and asked Darlene Wright, White, she say, he said, I can't find someone. She said, well, who are you looking for? And he said, Uh, Professor uh, Moldenberger, (laughs) and Nancy picked up on that, and she called me Moldenberger for four decades. (laughs) I would just sign letters and emails, Moldenberger, and she'd write back to Moldenberger, hey, Moldenberger, you could just hear her. Uh, I'm not Moldenberger anymore without her, but um, none of us are the people that we were without her. Uh, just two weeks ago, many of us were assembled in this same place to celebrate the, the life of uh, Velma Rooch. And I can't help but think that um, this was the last gift of Velma to all of us, was to put Nancy in our midst so that we would have a chance to see for the last time her love and concern for the people around her. The way she walked into a room and just reached out to people. As to <coughs> said, just set, turned on the light in her room. Two weeks later, it seems like Nancy has a lesson for us about the contingency of life, about the need for us to promote, to practice the same love and concern for others today, now, because now is really all that we can be certain of. Last October, uh, Nancy and I met in Pittsburgh, and we, took, we rented a car and drove down to visit Tom and Carolyn Mann in their new house uh, in West Virginia. It's set back in, in the rolling hills of West Virginia. Uh, with forests all around it. It was uh, late fall, and the trees had turned a little faster than they are here today. Uh, The ground was covered with yellow leaves, and the trees were red and gold. And uh, on the last day, Tom said, um, come on, I want to show you something. We walked out into the woods about a quarter of a mile, and in the middle of the forest, again, it was a drizzly day, the ground was covered with yellow leaves. There was this little cemetery, a little family cemetery with a fence around it, and uh, we stood there in the drizzle, um, piecing together the story of that family. And it occurred to me as we were standing there that um, it was the perfect place for me to recite. I don't recite poetry. I, wasn't, I Unlike Velma, I could not quote poetry. But there's one poem that I like very much, and smartphones allow us to pull it up whenever we need it. Um, it's a poem by Gerard Manley Hopkins, uh, who's a Victorian poet. Um, and also a Catholic priest and so his poetry is always infused with some lesson about spirituality. Uh, This poem is addressed to a girl who is um, suddenly and inexplicably saddened by the falling of the leaves and the changing of the seasons. And the poet says to her, "Um, when you grow up, you won't even pay attention to this. It will seem so ordinary to you, but you're right to notice it now. And I'll tell you what it means. This is the poem. Spring and fall to a young girl by Gerard Manley Hopkins. Margaret, are you grieving over Golden Sorry? Margaret, are you grieving over Golden Grove on leaving? Leaves like the things of man, you with your fresh thoughts care for, can you? Ah, as the heart grows older, it will come to such sights colder by and by, nor spare a sigh, though worlds of one would leave me alive. And yet you weep and will know why. Now no matter child the name. Sorrow springs are the same. Nor mouth had, no nor mind expressed, What heart heard of, ghost guess. It is the blight man was born for, It is Margaret you mourn for.
0: to ask which of our guest speakers thought that I had said enough already and took the last page of my notes with them. (laughs) You don't want me to extemporize. These are the comments that were sent to us by Nancy's dear friend, Leanne Seaver. What do I know? For the funeral, I suggested that Michael read the poem that John wrote about Nancy sleeping. How everything is at peace in her face. How she makes the dark wait for sunlight endurable. That Nancy poem, the one I may have dreamt, the one that remembers The one I can't find. Well, I thought I'll just call Nancy and ask where it is. Michael says, I keep doing the same thing. I know, I thought. I keep looking at my phone, hoping for her reply to my last text. We are all waiting for Nancy to listen more sincerely and see us more clearly than we do ourselves. To know the right thing to say when most of us don't have a clue, to breathe light into uncertainty. Her answer always, trust the process. That I still believe in, even if I if all I can feel is the drought of shock. How can this be? We don't know. We don't know. Kay wrote, can you tell me what you know? I know her red purse still hangs on the bathroom door and there's a movie paused in the DVD player. There are wet clothes in the washer and a dog who noses her shoes at the door, then paces. As sure as the morning will come, I know Nancy died thinking of how she could be helpful to someone because she was always engaged in just such things. I know she was good at love. Love of her family, especially her son. That boy with his dad and mother written all over his face. He was her best beloved. And she loved me too. Once she washed my feet and dried them in a towel on her lap and I felt healed. She was a redeemer. We all knew that. So heal yourself now, my wise sister. That was what I asked her. That was the text she didn't answer. That is what I don't know, except as a poem I can't find. When Nancy Wakes, a poem for Nancy on her 50th birthday. When Nancy sleeps, she is nonetheless alive to all the moods and motions of her house, the comings and goings of the dog and cat, my own perambulations, her son's unforced but not imperceptible entries through the back door. (laughs) When Nancy sleeps, she enters her own dreams without even leaving ours, but when she wakes in her own sweet time, she awakens something in me I cannot name, only imagine as a glint of yellow light, like the glint of corn or a sunflower, say, in Van Gogh, a light that rouses me out of sadness, if that's where I have been, or out of the waking sleep of the ordinary, where I too often am, and takes me to another place where gloom becomes a forgivable but embarrassing lapse, where I can suddenly imagine holes without parts, persons no longer straining against the weight of the present but rising above it and believing, if only for a moment and against the massive and unambiguous evidence of the world, that soul-deep joy can be a human condition When Nancy wakes in her own sweet time, she glints, and I learn again and again to see. Brent, I know that you would like to stay in the background all day, but I can't close this service as others have without acknowledging that you were the light of your mother's life. She adored you. She spoke endlessly and lovingly about you and she glowed with the thought of your discovery of Sabrina and your journey together. If she taught your dad to see, then you were teaching her to see better. We stand today in the light of Nancy's life, joy aloft. The light is bright and shining as we remember all that we loved about her. But light does not exist without shadow, and we acknowledge those shadows today, too. We embrace them as we embrace the shadows we travel through each day in our own lives. If you have any regrets or disagreements in your relationship with Nancy, I pray that in this moment those shadows will be subsumed into the bright light of Nancy's life, now perfected in the divine. As we hear in the opening words of John's Gospel, all things are made according to the organizing principle of God's love. In that love is life. That life is the light of all humankind. That light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Today, as for all who cross the threshold of life's end, any darkness that was in Nancy is now overcome by the brilliant light that filled and fulfilled her. That light has left her body, but it lives on in us, in our memories of Nancy's rich and honest life, the victory and the struggle, now returned in its fullest into the life of the Creator. John O'Donohue is a Celtic poet and philosopher whose work I love. I shared this blessing with Nancy. I'd like to leave you with it this morning. It is entitled Blessing, which he wrote for his mother on the death of her husband. In it, he uses the Celtic word "curach," which is a small canoe made of canvas stretched over a wooden frame. Benacht. On the day when the weight deadens on your shoulders and you stumble, May the clay dance to balance you. And when your eyes freeze behind the gray window and the ghost of loss gets into you, may a flock of colors, indigo, red, green, and azure blue come to awaken in you a meadow of delight. When the canvas frays in the kurach of thought and a stain of ocean blackens beneath you, May there come across the waters a path of yellow moonlight to bring you safely home. May the nourishment of the earth be yours. May the clarity of light be yours. May the fluency of the ocean be yours. May the protection of the ancestors be yours. And so may a slow wind work these words around you an invisible cloak of love to mind your life. Let us go be the Nancy we want to see in the world. Let us depart this place in God's peace. Amen.